Cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm Adam Marcia, your host of the most, as always, and this is the podcast, as always, Adam Marcia Unplugged, where we bring you the best, brightest, weirdest, and funniest fuckers on the planet to make you laugh, giggle, and be entertained, of course. So today, my guest is the one and only, and I'm totally probably going to butcher his surname, Daniel Throssel, who I have only been introduced to this year by my very good friend and business partner, the one and only Shiv Shetty. Now, real quick, and some background on Daniel and myself. We've emailed a handful of time, times. I have read his sales pieces. I have read his emails. I have pissed myself laughing multiple times and slowly cried on the inside going, motherfucker, I wish I had a little bit more of the voice that is me like him translate online. Because again, how he speaks in real life is very similar to how he writes. Me, there's a bit of a bridge and a gap, which I'm getting still used to. And we all do as we make that transition. And we're going to discuss this and more. I'm going to shut the fuck up and bring Daniel on the show. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I'm not touching on any of your successes, by the way. I'm not giving anyone like, yeah, he's done this amazing thing. He's built that. He's impressed these people. No, because that will come up. You guys are just going to be in for a fucking treat. And all I can tell you is there are some true veterans of the game that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. And I've been doing this a long ass time who pretty much all have a unanimous decision on Daniel, which is motherfuckers amazing. He's really good. Like he, he's really good. <laughs> we, we, we all like him. Um, which is always brilliant. So that's that's a great way to start the show. So Daniel, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, and before we get started with practically anything else, I got to ask, so you went from writing copy for yourself to essentially um, branding yourself out over like the last couple of years, right? Yeah, well, I'm for writing copy for clients, you mean? Yeah, right? that's what I mean. You went from like, yeah, yeah. essentially Absolutely. to your own stuff. I mean, we'll touch upon this in depth in a moment, but that's essentially what you kind of did for a while. Exactly. I, I wrote copy for clients since 2016, and it was only in 2020, just as toilet paper was starting to go missing from the shelves, that I decided to uh, start my own, start building my own thing. Great time to build a business. Actually, my first ever email was about panic buying, so... I, I remember it well because of that. And in Australia, we really pioneered the cultural art of toilet paper hoarding. We were one of the first countries to do that. You guys broke so, ground. Uh... You guys broke ground on that. And everyone just followed suit. I mean, if anyone was to be like, America's, America, uh, America's the world leader, hmm, buddy, Australia just beat you to that punch. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, real quick shout out. Sponsors to the show are always greatestcopywriterlive.com. Head on over there, figure out my story, sell matrix. We'll send you a bunch of stuff. Also head on over to danielthrossel.com or as I like to call it, persuasivepage.com. Uh, so does he apparently redirects that. You guys can actually jump onto his mailing list, piss yourself laughing on the um, sales video, uh, sales letter to be fair, because it's funny. And by the way, I am going to read you guys an excerpt of this because it does make me laugh, which is good day. My name is Australia's best copywriter and I've been called Daniel Throssel. That right there was the hook line in the sink of the man. This motherfucker's got me. I got to, I've got to opt in just on that alone. I was like, I'm opting in. It's in. It's in the, it's in the, it's in there right there. But before we, go back to the whole how you built it because i'm very curious because there's so many people that uh the struggle from going from client work to their own shit because they keep falling back into old patterns again myself included hands up um but there is one thing that i do want to touch upon because it really relates back on like a good hook you were in london not too long ago and it was like 33 degrees you're from australia where it's basically hell on earth at times um we're in london 33 degrees melts the uk i think that was the headline for the paper that day yeah that was your experience with our with our quote-unquote heat wave. i actually 
it was a few years ago and I went over with um, my family and a few of my brothers as well. And, you know, it was, I remember my mum because she was like just freaking out. She's like, guys, my dad's from England. My dad is from High Wycombe. So uh, we, we were all going back to the UK, well, us for the first time. And my mum's like, oh, boys, you don't understand. England's cold, all right? It's going to be summer in England, but you don't understand that England is cold. And we're like, okay, mum. So we're all like packing all this thermal stuff that you never need in Australia because the, the temperature never has a negative in front of it. And we go to England and we get out there and it's 33 degrees the first day we get there. And we're all like looking at mum like, Mom, and she's like, oh, it, it does get cold. Okay. So apparently we were there in like a record heat wave and your tabloid papers. I remember they had, I got a copy. I took one home because it was like London sizzles at 33 C and the 33 was in red, red letters. And they'd been like digitally modified to look like sizzles. And it's like roads were melting and old people in homes were dying because air conditioners were failing. And we're like, this is like, you know, early autumn weather, you know, in, in Australia, uh, this was a very pleasant day. And it, it's been quite funny uh, th- thinking about, like, looking at that newspaper, thinking that you guys have your roads melt at 33. I'm like, goodness me. To be fair, I think I know what it is as well, because Australia has, most places that I remember from Australia, you guys have like AC, basically. You have like air conditioning over there. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we don't. You don't there? <laughs> no, we don't. We basically, like, we live, like, right now, there is no air conditioner in my house. There is a fan that I've just been, oh. like, tweaking this entire time to make sure that, A, my computer doesn't melt, and you can't hear the fan on the show. <laughs> so, basically, that's... It's well, like, I did not know that. <laughs> that is the reason most of us were dying, <laughs> and I only just realized, I was like, yeah, oh, shit. Most of us don't have, like, we just have that whole thing with no air con here, because we haven't figured that out because it's cold most of the time we're like who needs air conditioning it's cold most of the time um exactly what i was gonna say though like i love i love reading great headlines like that though there's one i was telling you about i didn't actually tell you what it was um because there was a story behind it it was 2004 2005 and it goes down it wasn't even a front page headline it was like somewhere in the middle of a newspaper that just made me laugh so hard because irony and I realized that moment I had a really fucked up dark sense of humor because the guy that was next to me, one of my best friends, Craig, may he rest in peace. Um, he literally, I, I only found it again because after his death, I was like going through uh, a few belongings. I was like, holy shit. Remember when me, he and I used to laugh at this? Uh, so here's, here's, what the, here's what the headline was. Actually, I'll tell you the story and then I'll tell you the headline because it kind of summates it perfectly. The story was a man went into hospital um, with a stomach problem, with a, with a headache or something. I can't remember what it was. He went in with something and it basically turned out to be cancer. So he gets treated for cancer. And then as he's like recovering, he gets told that he has leukemia. So now he's being treated for leukemia. And he's like, so this is over the course of like 18 months. This wow. dude has not left the hospital. The day he gets told that he is leaving the hospital, he takes a shower, gets ill and dies from MRSA. I'm being recorded, so I'm I'm going to be very politely. I'm <laughs> I freaking laughing. I laughed my fucking ass <laughs> off like a motherfucker. I was like, and I showed my friend this, and he started laughing, and we're like, yeah, you're, fu- you're gonna die. Like, okay, 
I'm just like, how badass are you? You beat cancer, you beat leukemia, what takes you out as a dirty shower head. And the subject, the headline was, man, a man, man wins fight with cancer and leukemia, loses to shower head. And I was like, I gotta read this. Is this one of your tabloid papers? No, it was like a, it was another. It was, oh. no, it, was one of the, it was one of the free newspapers that you get, like the Metro. Or oh something. right, right, right. But, yeah, oh, okay, well, right. I, I read that. I was, I was freaking like fourteen on a school bus in the summer, heading back to my place with my friend because we were going to hang out that day and play video games. And I saw that, and I had to clip it out of the newspaper. I literally tore it out of the newspaper. I'm like, this, this just makes me smile. But going back to it, that's kind of like the power of having a good headline and jumping off of that point into my first actual fucking question for everyone. Like, oh, human. Now we can now we can actually pick some stuff up. <laughs> how the fuck did you go from like, how did you actually encapsulate your voice into copy? That's what I'm most curious about because you have a happy-go-lucky fun energy about you and your emails are brilliant. I'm just very curious how you actually married that into your own personal voice, like in sales pieces. Honestly, it's, there is a very large element of deliberate curation in the way that I create a voice for my copy and emails. And when you talk to me, even now, like we're, we're talking, um, I'm not always cracking as many jokes and being as high energy. Well, I'm you know, trying to now because we're on a podcast, but um, it, it certainly is a, a deliberate effort that I make. And one of the core principles that I, I learned uh, as a copywriter and now teach people is the importance of knowing exactly what character you want to project when, when you're building a brand, especially yeah. a personal brand like you, know, you or I might have where it's just one person and we relate to an audience. One of the most important things you can do is have a very, very crystal clear understanding of what character do I want to play. I liken uh, marketing, especially through emails to like a good TV show where the writers will think of scenarios to put the character through. And the whole point is to demonstrate how the character reacts to those and show aspects of that character. And that's how I think of copywriting and building my brand is that I am trying very hard to project a certain kind. And it's not fake. It's just more exaggerated would be a better word. An exaggerated version of my personality. If I can make a joke, I will. If I can do a quip, I will. If I can... Uh, use a certain little stylistic trick, I will, even though I might not do it in person or while I'm speaking in real life. So I'm just turning it up to the max. And that's, I think, what, what comes through. Uh, it's an attempt to curate the best of me or the, the most of me, if you will, and turn that into a character that comes across through the words. So curiously, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert then? I am an introvert. Okay, that absolutely. See, as soon as you absolutely said you, create, an you, you curate your stuff, I was like, motherfucker's an introvert. I just knew it. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've not met and I'm an extrovert, but I've not met many extroverts. So like, yeah, I just curate my shit. Usually we're like, Bleh, and it's like, okay, that's done. <laughs> what edit? What's this word called editing? <laughs> exactly. Why do you think this show isn't edited? Like, I literally legit record and just upload. I'm like, you said some really fucked up shit like halfway through. I was like, cool. <laughs> that's in there. <laughs> Like my best review ever is the one star review. I've, in like eight years, I've had one negative review on this on this show, and it's like terrible. He was talk. I didn't even. I didn't listen to the other episodes. I barely got through this one. He just talked about other funny stuff, gave no value, and promoted his own stuff. And I was like, I, I want to know what episode you listened to, because rarely does that happen. <laughs> 
And my whole thing is usually making people laugh because I love doing that because you find some really fun, fun stuff out. All right, so kind of going into that process of how you actually, uh, it's kind of very timely. I'm speaking to you while, while we're doing this um, because I posted the other day on Facebook, something along the lines of, do you have an alter ego? And that's essentially what you're creating here. Now, my curiosity is how did you create that part of your alter ego, that part that, okay, Daniel has to step up to the mic. This is the Daniel that needs to come up. Boom. How, like, how did that come about? Like, has it always been there or is it something that took time and effort? There's, so there's, there's a few parts to the answer. One is that years of working with certain clients really trained me um, in, in the art of having to put on a character, if you will. Because um, I was you know, working long term with clients and there's some copywriting jobs where you can get away with not mimicking the voice as much, but with some of the clients I had, it was really critical that I had to turn in stuff to them that they could run if they wanted to. Uh, and so having to be able to be someone else, I spent years learning how to do that. So that was an important part. Right. Just of- real quick, I, I just want to touch on the side. I just want to drop in for this one thing. Uh, by the way, people that don't have long-term retainer clients, you should be fucking doing this anyway. This is what makes you great because I do this all the time. You do not hand in stuff that doesn't sound like them. So just also doubling down on that because I don't want to be like... Absolutely. Incredibly important. It's a fucking great skill. It's actually how you charge more money, by the way. (laughs) It's actually one of the secrets to doing that. Uh, I I do not disagree with a word of what you said. Absolutely important. Um, All I'm saying is I got a lot of opportunity to practice that by by working with um, clients where I need to do that. For sure. With that skill, when I started doing my own emails, there's, there's a fantastic quote, and I'm, I can't attribute it. Um, I, it's not like I was always following this, but it sums up what I've been doing. And there was, there was a painter, and I forget, I forget his name, but a, a New York painter, and he said, I painted a picture every day for a year, and then I went back, picked out the ones I liked, and said, that's my style. And I think that brilliantly encapsulates what I tried to do. So I tried out a lot of stuff. Um, I tried sounding like different people who influenced me. So Scott Pape, one of the clients I worked with, Ben Settle was a big influence of me. And when I look back at my early work, I can see, you know, me trying and playing with those voices and seeing what parts I liked and what I wanted to match with my personality. And eventually after writing for, you know, every day for a year, I wrote a year's worth of emails and I went back and I was like, well, I like that. I like that. I like that. And made that my style. It was almost a conscious decision over time. It's not like I did that on day 365, but over time you think, you know, I tried that and I really liked it. I tried that and I didn't really like that. It's not really me. It doesn't work. And I consciously was able to develop a style. So combining that with the skill that I developed of being able to turn a character on, I was able to develop this persona that I want to have in the emails. And again, it's, it's not fake. You know, I, I am like that in real life. It's just, I'm not always that high energy. It's, yeah. it's kind of a more uh, no, curated we, version. Yeah. But okay. So I want to jump into this like for three different things. Cause you have given so many fucking great things there that I, that I don't want anyone to miss that. So go back and listen to Daniel again. Um, and another way to expound on that really, really helped out with when you were saying it, like my brain went, oh shit, that makes sense. Um, look at your own personality and always write, like, so whoever you're mimicking in voice, make sure that it's within your own words. 
Like, for instance, I am the king of side notes and tangents. That is what I do, <laughs> especially it's just my brain. Um, but at the same time, I can mimic Ben Settle's style because Ben has a very specific style of how he writes. You have a very specific style of how you write. Freaking Louis C.K. of all people has a very specific style of how he mails out his mailing list when he does. It's essentially finding that process, as you just said. And by the way, let me explain this again because it's like sinking into my own head. Um, the process that really came out for that, I assume, was that you essentially found this sits right with me and I can actually be this person in, in front of a camera, essentially, or email in the sense. Like, this is how like performers really get over the anxiety because if you actually really look at actors, the majority of them are actually introverts. A lot of them are not extroverts, um, which is very, very fascinating because I found that out the hard way, meeting a couple of like comedians and a couple of actors and being like, huh, thought you'd be more chatty or not you're just very quiet um, right but kind of jumping off of that because you're going on tangent there myself rolling back into it though how so you mentioned ben obviously who's a we're both huge fans of ben's work um what was it specifically about him that really influenced you like about his style how he how he does things what was that because i do see in your emails there is an element of ben in there of course. And the biggest thing Ben taught, I mean, Ben firstly was the inspiration for me to write something every single day. You know, he, he was, he really opened my mind to that and he um, encouraged me to, to do that. Not personally, but through his teaching that you should yeah. do that. So I, I don't take any credit for that idea. I got it from him. The other main thing that I really got from Ben was the idea that it's okay to be not right for everyone. And to really own uh, the honesty in that I'm not right for many people. In fact, for most people, I'm not right. I'm probably not right for you. And obviously he has his own way of doing that. That can, you know, he, he says himself, his personality is quite, um, what's the word he used? Crotchety. Uh, crotchety is a favorite word of his. And, and you know, he, he bristle makes, makes people seem like he's kind of a grouch. Uh, and, and that, I remember trying that in some of my earlier emails when I, I pushed, you know, sometimes too far in, in different directions, imitating people, and it didn't really work. But, you know, I tried it. And so it was, I was able to see that did not gel with me. But the core principle underneath it was find, you know, the people who are going to accept who you are and just write for them. Some people, it's funny because I get a lot of, there are a lot of bigger copywriters who have gotten on my email list uh, to, because people talk about me and they join and I've seen that and they usually drop off. There are very few that actually stay around. And that's because these people, they're generally older, you know, the more successful copywriters, they're 10, 20 years older than me. And they just think I'm stupid. My humor is so immature. My jokes are so dumb. And like, I'm a, such a millennial and I realized they're not my target market. So I, I stopped caring about, I, I used to care. I was like, oh, this person joined my list. And then they unsubscribe a few weeks later. I'm like, oh no, I suck. I just realized they are not my target audience. My target audience are, are younger people. They, they like my personality. They jive with my stupid jokes. They accept who I am and that's cool. So that's one of the biggest things that I got from Ben Settle really. Awesome. Okay, I'm curious on this one. Who is the biggest like which mark to the unsubscribed? Like a big name mark to the unsubscribed that you went, motherfucker, really? <laughs> or like you were on my mailing list? <laughs> I think I had I had Justin Goff jump off a 
a few weeks ago. Uh, it was after I sent an email, a fake news report. I, I think it's because he likes dogs. He's talked about liking dogs. Yeah, he loves and dogs. And I wrote, I had a um an email that was like breaking um, copyright ar- arrested for animal cruelty or something. And I, it's because it was a fake news report that I wrote about myself. And it was because someone complained about my parallel welcome sequence. They're like, why are you? And just, just for context for anyone in my welcome series, this is part of the dumb humor I'm talking about. I have these fictional stories where we're running around, me and the reader are running around with oversized guns and like shooting at giant fictional creatures that generally represent copywriting. Oh concepts. no, we're going to jump into this. Don't worry. Like, okay, I, I, right. like your parallel sequence so, is a fucking work <laughs> of art and I want to dissect that so much. On so, it, so like, please go on. Well, what happened was that there are instances of yes, shooting fictional animals that are trying to kill you giant animals right and um i had a person they weren't happy with that they're like why are you so mean to all these to all these animals are you shooting hamsters and stuff like giant hamsters so i wrote this fictional news report about being arrested for animal cruelty and that pushed justin over the edge he was off after that yeah that was just last month i think i've I've still got to say, I think the one that hurt me the most was Frank Khan. <laughs> like, I didn't even know Frank was on my fucking mailing list. That was the weirdest. This was years ago. Um, and I, I remember emailing him about it. I was like, okay, just asking, were you on my mailing list? It's an even more awkward question once he's not. <laughs> yeah, because like, it's like, I don't give a shit if you're not anymore, but you were on my mailing list. Why were you on my mailing list? Like my brain goes to more like, huh, what, what's, huh, 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 no, we don't really understand this, but that one did, that one didn't hurt so much as um, I think the worst one that really hit me was, uh, fuck, one of my best friends leaving my mailing list. Oh, like yeah. Joss, I was like, I, I texted him. I sound like such, I sounded like the broken down, like boyfriend situation. We're like, but why did you leave? I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I had one of my best friends do that too. And I was like, ah. I, I figured out why. He was just like, oh, because I'm I, I'm not in the marketplace anymore. Like I actually started a new business and I was taking up subscriber space. I was like, oh, it's like, I have your phone number. If I want something silly, I'll just message you with, what are you thinking right now? Because I always answer, what are you thinking right now? And my friends have had some very interesting answers over the years, which, by the way, anyone at home, if you have an extroverted friend that's like ADHD or with ADHD problems, please go ahead and text them right now with the words, what are you thinking right now? Like, for real, and just see what they come up with. I guarantee you will end up laughing uh, a lot. You will have, you'll be like, are you on drugs? No, you're sober. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, kind of jumping into it, though, with a parallel welcome sequence, because that is, again, as I said, a fucking work of art. So I kind of want to jump into, like, A, how did you come up with it? And B, what was the inspiration? Like, how, what was the inspiration? How did the execution come about? Like, just everything, because it is beautiful. For anyone that hasn't done it, please go join us fucking mailing list. I've already told you at the start of the show. Uh, you will enjoy every single bit of the sequence. It is, yeah, It just, just go right. do it. But, but well, yourself, just, I was gonna say, yeah. set yourself aside about 30 minutes of time after you do so, because you're going <laughs> to receive no less than six emails. Oh yeah, I, I, there's actually 15 in the sequence. If, if the full thing takes probably uh, two, two and a half hours to get through. There, is, there are people who, I have screenshots of it. They're like, and I can see it in, in Aweber. They're like, uh, they're for two hours reading. 
Uh, it's always very satisfying when I get a two-hour person. I've ruined their day. Um, so basically just... <laughs> To just so, uh, well, I, I don't actually want to make it easy for anyone who doesn't want to go opt in to my email list. But the, the premise is effectively in the parallel welcome sequence, you can uh, click an email, click the link at the end of one email, and you get the next one immediately. However, you also jump to a web page in between those two emails, which tells a different set of stories. And they tell sort of a, it's kind of a parallel world. You go email, web page, email, web page, email, web page. You can go and try it out if you want to see persuasivepage.com. But basically, there are these two parallel storylines. I got the idea. I think I, think I heard Chris Ozakowski, um, he was talking about someone else's email course where you could click to advance. So I, I didn't invent that idea and I've never claimed to. Yeah. Uh, I, I called it though. I thought, well, I want to call it something fun. So I, I called it a time travel remote, right? And I mentioned giving the reader a time travel remote. And again, it's just a thing that was my sense of humor. And I was like, tap the time travel remote, you'll jump forward 24 hours in time and you get the next email. And then I realized like, well, when you do that, you got to land somewhere. If you click a link, you got to land somewhere. So why don't I put something on that page? And then I realized, well, if I'm going to do that 15 times, why not put something different on every page? And so it sort of turned into this thing that was really fun. And I was like, well, if these people are clicking to read more emails, they're just really engaged, they're new, they want to read more from me. So why don't I just go really wild on these alternate pages? So in the emails, if you didn't click, if you were a serious person, you're like, oh, that was a good email. I'll just wait till tomorrow's. You just get my copywriting tips. But if you click the emails, there's like these fictional stories. And it's all set on this remote copywriting island with a lot of guns and a lot of giant creatures which represent copywriting things. Like I have the guru. He's a giant kangaroo that retargets you and um, follows you around. Or copywriting AI attacks at one point. So a series of giant robots we have to blow up. It's all a bit of dumb fun. But I, I can write those kind of stories like... 10 times easier than I can write an email. So it just, it just flows out. I sit there and then half an hour later, the story's there and it just writes itself. So that was a lot of fun for me to do. And that has really, that has been one of the biggest drivers of the growth of my brand, honestly, because people talk about it so much. They're like, this is just the craziest thing. Go check it out. Um, and I've had so many people come just because of that. Ironically, I didn't even realize it was cool when I first made it. I wasn't going to talk about it. I had a friend who's like, you should write a blog post about that. I was like, ah, no, it's not that special. He's like, you, you created a new thing, dude. Uh, and I'm glad he told me that. Yeah, that's, that's blown up. So that, that's, that's kind of how the parallel welcome sequence came about. Okay, so curiously here, because again, I'm now going to go into like more the nuanced stuff, because again, massive fan of AWeber and always will be. Uh, if you guys aren't using AWeber, plugging this directly, go to adelamarcy.com forward slash AWeber. It is an affiliate link, but we do have some extra bonuses. Just email me after the show once you've actually joined and I'll send them over to you. Now, my curiosity is how the fuck did you get your actual pages, like your emails to look as pretty as they do? Because like Ben and I use AWeber very differently. His looks like a very basic plain text email. Mine somewhat a little bit more updated. Yours actually looks beautiful. Like it's really oh, well, clean, thank you. really well read. <laughs> I really like the way that's actually structured. I'm curious, like, how did you do that? Like what's that? I'm, this is just me more for asking for my own sake and anyone else. I, I honestly don't, I don't know what I did that's uh, particularly 
Um, I'm just pulling it up now to have a look at what the template was. But I was basically using the, uh, their drag and drop builder. And I just found one of the templates I, I narrow the column width. All I wanted really was the thing I don't like about Ben's emails is the fact that they don't wrap. No. You know, if your window is wide, if you're on a desktop, it's like 500 characters long. And it's really annoying to read that. So uh, I just, I wanted the text to wrap. And I also, there, a, a part of me was like, I want my emails to look distinctive so that if people copy me, it's obvious. And it, you know, has happened. I also wanted kind of the emails to look like a sales page. So it was sort of a, a stylistic thing I did. That, where, that's what I mean know, by they look beautiful. That they legitimately right, right, right. So, so for anyone else that doesn't really know me or hasn't followed me for any length of time, I am a nerd of the highest order where I actually look at formats because believe it or not, you can actually change the course of a sales page's conversion rate by formatting it correctly. Have actually done that with a 32% bump, by the way. Crazy numbers, just change the format works. But anyway, back to it. Your emails are amazing. Please keep going. Yeah. So I, well, I just wanted to, like you're saying, uh, I, I understand that, you know, having a sales page, sales pages can be really important. And I kind of wanted that subhead feel to my email copy. So it's sort of a deliberate thing that I include subheads throughout the text in my email. That's probably the main design element that I have. Interestingly on like Aweber actually contacted me this week and asked to interview me about the parallel welcome sequence. And probably because they're so impressed that someone could build something like that using their basic as automation. Now, I love Aweber. We both love Aweber. And I think Aweber are fantastic. But they do Just, have some basic as automation. Oh, yeah. They are. Because <laughs> are like, oh, ConvertKit like, can do Yeah. How the fuck did you actually do that where you can actually time skip by like a day? Because I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's a beast. Um, have you so, taught this in one of your courses on how to do this? I'm going to. I'm going now to. I, I don't, to. I, now, now you have to. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have, when I rebuilt the parallel welcome sequence, I did a screen record of how I was doing it so that I could put that in a course. Uh, basically, every email sits in its own campaign. It, it's an absolute beast to, to manage. And every time you click a link, it applies a tag, which triggers the next campaign, removes you from the current campaign. Okay. It's not simple. Oh, sorry. It is simple. It's just not, not easy, easy because for, yeah, if I need to rearrange it, I need to do a heck of a lot of fiddling. It can break a lot of things. It's definitely not the standard drag all the emails into the campaign, put in your timers and you're done. It's, it's a uh, fidgety, but on the other hand, that's what makes it good because fewer people are inclined to, to pull it off. I love that so much. I mean, this is what I actually consider like real high level understanding of, um, of copy is that you do shit that anyone else can go, that looks amazing. I'm going to go do that. Oh, it's that much work. No, no, thank you. I'm good. I've like, uh, we'll talk about this after the show if you, if you can stick around for a couple because I'm going to run an idea by you. Very similar, but different. And it's in the entire, like the idea is similar. The, if you copy, it's going to be very difficult for you to copy. Um, but curiously, out of all of this, I got to ask, who, what's really been your biggest influence, like your biggest drives on the way that you think? Because like how people think fascinates me. I'm curious how you think. What, in what respect are you, are you talking there? Thinking about copywriting? Or? Everything, like copy, business, life, philosophy, everything. Because like it kind of all amalgamates. Like it all really kind of bleeds into its own thing. Yeah, well, I mean that's a that's a wide ranging question. <laughs> oh, very much. So. I mean, you just run with it. 
Sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm a devout Christian. I read the Bible every single day. I was going to say religiously, but that's not even funny because that's actually what the word means. So I, much. yeah, that, that is a huge influence on uh, my thinking and life. So pretty much everything I do is just based on biblical teachings. Um, as for that, how that translates into what I'm doing in business, you know, it, it provides me kind of a, a long-term mission like what do i want to do i want to do ultimately something that's good to make money to to help people and you know further further the kingdom of god help people who need it so that underlies everything i do uh honestly like the study of copywriting is a really big thing for me so it does take up a lot you know i'm very passionate about it uh but i am also i'm really inspired by 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 greatness you know people who do really good amazing things and uh, i've been really into biographies this year so reading biography of steve jobs I, i've been reading walter isaacson's biographies actually steve jobs benjamin franklin um leonardo da vinci and i just really love hearing about all these people who achieved so much and i think there's a lot of people like today people are so mediocre and focused like they do one thing and you read about a guy like uh, Leonardo da Vinci and he was like the at the time he was the world's best painter and the world's best you know one of the world's best sculptors and the world's best military engineer and the world's best hydraulics engineer and the world's best and biologist the best, and the world's yeah. you know he was all that stuff right could speak today languages just exactly right and today it's like you just want to do one thing uh, oh yeah I study this and I spend the rest of my time watching Netflix and messaging people and posting on Instagram so that to me is just so flat and mediocre. And again, tying into my whole Christian thing is like, I just don't think that's a good use of my time. I want to be incredible. I want to be good at as much as I can. So, you know, for me, like I like, I can read and speak several languages. I play a few instruments. I Ooh, Which languages? Uh, I can speak English, Japanese, English, duh, English, Japanese and Esperanto constructed language and i can read What's greek and hebrew constructed language it's the world's biggest constructed language it's not like klingon because klingon dumb is from a tv show not to diss anyone who likes klingon but it's like if you say i speak klingon people are like oh you speak klingon no esperanto was actually made to try and help the world communicate more than 100 years ago by a guy named zamenhof um it has about two two million speakers now dude that is awesome yeah, yeah, actually, so, like, language is a huge thing for me because I realized that with uh, you actually unlock a lot of doors with language that are previously like closed because you realize not everything translates over to English. It's my favorite thing, dude. Like I just Japanese in particular oh. is just one of my biggest passions. So like and my phone right now, my computer is in Japanese has been for six years. My phone has been in Japanese for all that time. Um, what was the inspiration for Japanese? literally i just wanted to learn another language i always thought how cool would it be to just speak another language and i was raised monolingual and again this is a problem i have with people now it's like i speak english that's enough okay i speak english that's fine right and i'm i'm like i wish i spoke another language what's it like to think in in another language what's it like to to speak fluently and so think and dream in english or in japanese or in esperanto in like in, in English, but I, I've had, I've heard people say that question. Like I have had dreams where I'm speaking Japanese and people are like, whoa, is that a weird feeling? And the way I say it to people, 
when they're like, I, I, we're not too far off topic, am I? Because I love talking oh, about dude, this. But no, I don't no, know. no, no, no. This, <laughs> okay, good. This, like this entire show is called Unplugged for a reason. People are getting okay. To know fantastic. You. Like this, is I love it. About getting to know you and me, like just I, okay, I love it. Right, and for me to do that too, because I fucking love knowing people. <laughs> awesome. So, like, people are like, you know, what does it feel like to speak another language? And that's the that's the question that underpinned my entire journey to learn another language. What does it feel like? And the answer is so underwhelming. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's like if you say, I'm like, how do you say hello in French? And someone's like, oh, bonjour. It's like, how did that feel? Well, I don't know. I just said a word, and it's like, yeah, just multiply that by ten thousand words, and that's how it feels. You know, it's like if if I'm speaking Japanese, it's just like. 僕は日本語は喋ってる。それだけ。そんな別にいい感じじゃない。Like it, it's it's not that it doesn't sound feel that impressive to me. I'm just saying words that I understand. Because it sounds so different, people are like wowed by it. But in your, I don't know about you if you have this, but it almost translates back to a base language where I understand what I'm saying. Like it's like word in language I naturally speak combined to another language that I speak coming out of my mouth. Absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, like I was, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I speak six languages fluently. I've learned 18 languages in my lifetime. I、um, was fluent in most of them. I still read, write, and speak in several of the ones I know. Well, I read and write in several of the ones I no longer speak because I don't have anyone to speak with, <laughs> which is sucky.、Um, and that's also laziness. Honestly, that, that is genuinely something I realized as I got older, I became obsessed with one thing. And that was my mistake. And I switched out to several other things. Um, but kind of going back on it for a second with languages, what has been like the biggest lesson you've picked up in languages for you when it comes down to behavior? What do you What do you mean by coming down to behavior? Well, like lessons、I'm, for learning the language or how the language no, has affected me? Affected you and actually, so taking it back to like a copywriting standpoint and a behavioral、mm-hmm. science standpoint of like how people think, speak, and do things. Do you find certain languages lend to certain types of behavior? Like a, a given example would be,、um, and this is a really bad example. So anyone I might be offending, fuck you,、uh, because it's an example.、Um, if you're offended by hypothetical, fuck you. You shouldn't be offended by hypothetical.、Um, Good. You shouldn't be. It's like make believe. Oh, and a bad thought. I'm offended by it. Fuck off. If I did it, then yeah, fair enough. Be mad at me. But like Hispanic people have a tendency of being,、um, they're very they speak Spanish and Argentinian, like、uh, what's it called, South American people or Latin speak Spanish and have almost this、um, this bravado, macho, more aggressive than other people kind of feel to them, like how they come across because of the language of the culture and stuff like that, and that's a behavioral thing. Versus say Spanish people who speak Spanish, their Spanish is a lot softer and they have like a whole different feeling. Like if you go out with someone that's from Latin America, like say Argentina, and someone that is from Spain, you will categorically see a difference in their behavioral patterns. My curiosity is: Have you actually noticed that with other languages that you've picked up, and how you've seen it as an application to what you do? I certainly haven't noticed myself behaving、uh, in a particularly different way because I speak the language. But what does happen is that. In no language am I as proficient as I am in English, and so when I'm operating in Japanese in Japanese social circles, there are thoughts and concepts and things that I cannot express or talk about in the same way that I would in English. And so, in effect, I am a lesser version of myself, and that's really interesting. You know, socializing with people where I am eighty percent of my English self. 
And what was fascinating is not so much that, but the realization that this, and again, this might sound offensive to people, but this is true. I think most people think other people who don't speak their language as well as them are stupid. And, and not consciously. I'm talking on a real base level. If you, for example, hear an Asian person who does not speak English as well as you, you have this subconscious thing that they're not actually as smart as you. Uh, but you don't realize how rich and intelligent, you know, how developed their personality is. You can't tell all that stuff because it's being passed through maybe a 20% filter when it comes into your language. And that's such an important concept that most English speakers don't get because they've never bothered to learn more than one language. They don't know what it's like. Well, this goes back to the thing I told you, like what we said earlier, which was like the thought at base levels in your language, then it goes through a filter and right. it comes out your mouth. And by that point, it's exactly. only 20%. It's like, again, I speak Kiswahili, which is Answahili, which are both uh, Tanzanian and Kenyan languages. Um, but what, you, what I find differently is there are times that I throw in idioms and metaphors in English in Swahili that don't translate over. And you're like, I've got to, like, so you do water yourself down in that same way. Um, but what I was getting at with that, as well as like that level of intelligence of how people come across, and again, very smart observation, the whole thing that we actually have that preconceived subconscious prejudice towards people's intelligence based on these filters, has that impacted how you write advertising or how you communicate with people in the written word? Because again, you just, like, as you said, that mm -hmm. your computer is in Japanese. And I'm assuming most of your typing is in kanji or do you switch over to English for? No, no. Okay. So I, I am writing, I'm writing in English. I mean, my interface is okay. in Japanese, but gotcha. it, when I'm writing words, it's still, you know, still a QWERTY keyboard and so on. Um, however, it, it, it's not necessarily, I am only writing to English speakers and they are my target market. So I don't really have to worry about that aspect of it so much and i've never dabbled in writing for another language i wouldn't i don't want to uh however it does i think there is a kind of subconscious empathy that it gives you for understanding other people and i know there are people in my audience who aren't english natives and so it is helpful to understand um coming from their point of view not everyone who follows me is an english native speaker so there is a subconscious empathy for sure uh, I think it's also useful when it comes to, you know, uh, people who are, there's a lot of people who want to write copy in English who aren't native English speakers. I mean, it's probably a controversial view, but my view is that people are best off sticking to their own language to write copy because like you are just the mastery that you have. It's going to be so, so hard to try and apply that. And I know there are people who do it in other languages and you can do it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying in general, you're just putting really a really big drag on you. I mean, personally, if like a Japanese speaker who could learn some of the concepts from English, go take that into the Japanese market and crush it. I remember reading, clicking around Japanese ads some years back and finding some copy. And I could tell, like I knew the John Carlton ads these guys were swiping because I was so familiar with John Carlton and I'm reading their sales page and I could tell like the headline, uh, I, I knew what ad that was from. And so uh, like to me, that's, that's an excellent way to do it. If you, if you have another language where you can take, take your English copywriting learning into, go and do that. Because uh, it's something a lot of people ask me, you know, well, can, can I do it in English? I'm like, well, if you've got another language, go and crush it there. Why not? Go and clean up. There's way less competition. Really in English, you're competing with people like you and me. 
again, it's, it's, um, I think my friend uh, Gail did this a while ago. I probably butcher his name, but Gail did this incredibly. He's a French speaker, um, lived in London for like years and years and years, became a copywriter through like several training programs, immediately left for France, like he moved back to France and just started up a copywriting business in France and is just killing it because there aren't many French copywriters. And he's like, yeah, I can take the concepts that you guys have, bring them over here and make a killing. Crazy. Exactly. Crazy, and that, crazy that's concept. exactly what I'd love to be able to do. <laughs> My Japanese is not, is not so good. I don't think I could uh, write copy as effectively in Japanese. Otherwise, I'd love to. I mean, you don't know until you try, right? Like just, write a, just write an ad out for a Japanese agency. Just be like, hey, guys, I'm looking for a little bit of uh, an idea. Or actually, the other thing that you could really do that's a fun little idea is take your inbox detonator program and hire an advertising agency in Japan to partner with you or actually a native Japanese speaker to partner with you, go into business with them as is. But what you do is that you get them to license the program with you so they can actually translate it into Japanese and do the voiceover for it. So you basically just voice over uh, in that way and sell it in that marketplace. Yeah, and this is something that I've actually been looking into in Spanish because I've had people, I have a massive Spanish following for whatever reason. I think one of the top Spanish copywriters found my list through Ben Settle when I had, I ran and added Ben Settle's list. And one of the top Spanish copywriters found me, fell in love with me. And like, he's, he talks about me in his course. So I constantly get all these Spanish leads. So it's, it's something I've been looking into for sure. Oh, dude, reach out to him and team up with him. You've got like an easy business partnership right then and there. He already has a mailing list. You already as, have as you would know, there's so many things you could do that you're like, ah, you know, yeah, I could let's, do let, that. Let's not talk about adults procrastination pro- problems. <laughs> Yes, the many, many things I could want and should do, which I'm actually getting around to eventually. But okay, one of my favorite questions on the show, of course, is uh, actually the two favorite questions. But the first I'm going to ask you is actually down to mindset. Specifically, actually, before we even get into that, are you more of a movie or books person or both? Uh, books, for sure. Okay, cool. All right, we're going to go into books for that for a moment. But the question I do want to ask you is um, when it comes down to like, life essentially kicking you at times because again we all go through process and problems the highs and lows of what we go through what have you found that has helped you get back up um and actually keep you on that path from like the warning signs you know okay i'm heading towards a point where i'm going to feel crappy how do i like circumvent that and bring myself back up what practices do you have in order to keep you going honestly my my faith is a very important part of that for me. And it forms the main framework that I have for dealing with things like that. I will turn to the Bible and I will pray. And I'm going to acknowledge, I'm actually going to say that I have had it really good. Like I haven't been knocked down a lot there. I accept there's a lot of people who have not been as privileged as me. You know, I've had a good education, always had a high paying, good job, always had good opportunities appear for me. So there's never been a time where I was like starving and didn't know where the name. Well, maybe the first year after I'd quit my engineering job and I was still building up the freelancing thing, there were a few scary moments, but my wife was still working as a doctor back then. So like we weren't still, we weren't starving back then. So I really haven't been like knocked down. And, and there are a lot of people who have a much better stories about dealing with adversity and resilience than me like i've had it pretty soft and i'll be one of the first people to say that but yeah no dude it's not about like how you come up and what you do it's, we're all susceptible to going through highs and lows and stuff like for instance i'm sure you've had 
I'm pretty certain every one of us has had a thing where we failed a client or a client has said something about us in a way, and that has not right. your confidence. It's a little oh. back to that. Well, that, that kind of thing, yeah. That's okay. So it, it, one of the one of the things I used. To, I mean, this is very much towards the tactical, not mindset end of things, yep. um, but maybe helpful anyway. It, one of the things I used to do was in my better moments, in my more confident moments, I would write not affirmations and the word affirmation makes me cringe, but I would actually write kind of bullet points on why I was awesome. Okay. And I, I don't mean as a joke, but as a jerk, but like if I were talking to a friend who was me and he was feeling down, what would I say to him? And I would do this in my more exuberant moments where I'm thinking, yeah, this is going really well. I'm really good. And I'd say, you know, like Ramit said, you want me to take these copywriting contests with your first episode about it. And you, you did this for X client and it was so good. And so-and-so said this about you. And I put that all down. And when those lows came around, I would, re- I would read that. I'd read that and it would help me because it was, you know, both those things were within me, the highs and the lows were both within me, but it was like being able to talk to the low from the high point through notes that I'd left. And that's something that was really helpful to me. And I know also through a few years of working with uh, one of my clients who, who I love so dearly, he was, he was one of my idols and he, he hired me and he was a huge mentor to me and he was also an incredibly high performance guy. And you know, if you watch like Gordon Ramsay shows, I'm just hooked on anything, any TV show Gordon Ramsay does like on, on YouTube, I just binge it. And you know, just the way he is in the kitchen, just like so high performance and, and him reading Steve Jobs biography is the same. People think these people are just jerks and they're mean. Average people think that high performance are just mean when they're trying to get the best out of people. And I think that's just a total misunderstanding of what they are. They're trying to draw excellence out of you. And so my client, one of my biggest clients and mentors was like that. And so there were a lot of times where it was like, this is not good. This sucks. You need to do it again. I just saying, you know, what are you doing? You're not on your game. And to someone else, it would have um, may have been debilitating. Like for me, I remember there were times I was just in tears sometimes after getting criticism or whatever. And that really built me up. And I think that getting, you know, getting shredded by a mentor who ultimately is expecting good things of you and wants good things for you is really good for building up resilience. So I really do think working with a coach is important for that. So I, because I, I wasn't formally coached, but by working under him for years, he was a killer copywriter. He's, he's got the best-selling book in Australian history. So he, the man knows how to write copy. And working under him was like having a coach who was always trying to draw the best out of me. So, I mean, I would say to anyone else, and I know this, you know, you, you guys have a coaching program, which I uh, emailed about. Yeah, you um, did. Your emails you were know. amazing, by the way. Because <laughs> I, I actually save those for my own little moments whenever I feel shitty. I might go back and like, oh, Daniel wrote this about you. It's actually in there, by the way. I'm not kidding. It's actually like screenshots of the awesome. like, happy folder. That's even better. Yeah, okay, and that's that's where I was going to get with this. That the final stage of this was when where this stopped coming from myself, and the affirmation started coming from other people. Yeah, right. And now there's like a lot of other people saying things about me that, you know, that's uh, objective proof. Obviously, results as well, but especially in the beginning, you don't always have results to uh, 
to get you through these times. And when you're starting out, those are the hard times when you're like, am I, am I really cut out for this? Am I a faker? There are still days. There are still days where I'm like, I suck and I should quit. And my emails suck and they're boring. And I don't even know why I like them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I'm only like, you guys can't, you can see that, but I was like laughing to myself about that because no, we all have that. I, I, I know so, like, you'd be surprised the copywriters that have this. There are very few that don't think this. Ben is annoyingly one of those that doesn't have this issue. <laughs> and I know that because I text him every so often and I get like a response back. Um, but okay, so real quick before we head out, uh, one of my favorite questions, of course, on the show, and I don't know if we'll be able to go through all of them, maybe we will. What are your five most recommended books that you would give to someone? It doesn't have to be a copywriter. It could be to your kids, could be to anyone. I don't know if you even have kids, but like, we'll just assume future kids. Um, one? Oh, congrats. Two, two. I got two. Congrats. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about that in a moment. Anyway, so like, what books would you recommend that they read in order just for every bit of excellence to get the best out of themselves? Oh my goodness. That is a. Oh, yeah. No, three on the spot right now. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear pause. I'm like, I shoot, we're, we're live. I don't know. I got, I got to think about that one. Like I'm, I'm obviously going to put the Bible at number one because I read that thing every single yep. day. Honestly, that's like 90% of my reading, dude. Um, I would probably put in there, you know, a John Carlton's copywriting book because uh, I, which one? and which one? Cause he's written kick-ass copywriting secrets of a marketing rebel. Okay. okay. Well, we have hit pause on this. You know how he dropped that thing down to $20 last year for like COVID. I, I can't believe it. I fucking hated everyone that didn't buy that. I was like, oh, I need a copy. Go buy that. It's 20 bucks. It's like the best thing you can go through. I sent an email to my list the day he did that. Same. Just just advertising it like with no commission. I was like, you are crazy. I paid $300 for this and it was worth way more than that. Yeah. Um, It was the the first course I went through, by the way. Yeah, me too. It was, yeah, absolutely. It was was so good. Dude, I went through his course at 18 and I, there's a comment on his blog for when I was like 20 or 21 saying, I've learned more from this, uh, this blog than most business books and most courses I've gone through, which was true. Because like that dude just, leave, like he used to leave it all on the line. He doesn't so much anymore, but he used to. Now like times have changed. Anyway, going back into it. Kick-Ass Keep the Secrets of Copywriting Rebel. Uh, Kick-Ass Secrets of Marketing Rebel. That was book number two, Bible number one. Okay, let's go for three, four, and five. Doesn't have to be oh, business, man. by the way. Just yeah, no, no, I know. And, and the reason I was going to say kick-ass copywriting secrets is because I just, I just feel that the lessons he taught in there were so good. Um, I'm going to say how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the biggest, especially for me as an introvert who had yeah. to learn social skills, um, that that book changed my life. Awesome. And, and it's been a huge factor in my copywriting too, and cold pitching and so on. Two more. Oh, this is this is like pulling teeth, dude. Um, I'm okay with this. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna number four. I'm gonna throw in there the book from my client, the Barefoot Investor, which is the best-selling book in Australian history. I'm not shilling it. He doesn't need any more money from that. He's made a lot of sales of that book. Uh, just finance. Yeah, I'm trying to cover some good bases here, right? I've got I've got the Bible in there. That's that's spirituality. I've got um, relationships in how to win friends and influence people. I got business in John Carlton's book and I've got personal finance in the Barefoot Investor. For a fifth one, oh my gosh, man. I honestly, 
I'm trying to think of books that I've read over and over again, but I'm always just reading new stuff. Can, can I leave it at full? <laughs> I don't want to dilute those. I don't want to dilute those. I was just saying, like, uh, we'll throw in number five as an actual category, which is biographies. Yeah, because I, I want to say, like, Steve, jo- like, Steve Jobs' biography is one of the best books I've ever read. I just didn't want to elevate that to the level of the other four because it's, no, like, it's... One, one thing. But biographies, oh, my goodness. I, I, I remember John Piper, a famous Christian preacher, he, he says that biographies are the most efficient way to learn because when you read a good biography, you learn, you know, about history, um, politics, biology, whatever, like, whatever they were studying, you learn about that field. So in Steve Jobs' biography, you learn about technology and programming and business and marketing and so on. Um, you learn culture and all that stuff. So I just am enamored with biographies i think they're fantastic good man i love it all right so there's number five. i'm gonna have to come up with a better answer for that question because i this feel like it took five alive. minutes to, it's, it's killing alive. me it's killing me that i took so long to think of them people are listening like oh my gosh nah it's all good they're used to me anyway because i like throwing i like throwing this out there i've had people open up their audible like during and be like no you keep talking i'm gonna scroll through my audible until i find the stuff which is fine. <laughs> well, um, honestly, like probably one of one of the books that I've read the most after that is the the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, and that that certainly is more more of a Christian book, but it's probably one of my favorites. Uh, it's very very uh, funny and good life advice. So if I had to put a number five in there, I put in the Screw Tape Letters. Good book, and also C.S. Lewis, huge fan of his work. Um, all right, yeah. guys. So we are at the end of our show. Please go check out uh, persuasivepage.com or danielthrottle.com. It always redirects there. Get on his mailing list. Check out the I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you figured that out. <laughs> figured what out? It redirects. I, yeah, like I've never, I've never given anyone that URL. And you said it before and I cringed. I was like, he's making that up. But good thing I got it to redirect. But then you said it again. And I was like, oh, he's actually tested it. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you no, just dude. were trying that out. No, I literally tested that before the show. I was like, oh yeah, what's this? I couldn't remember what your URL was to get on your mailing list. So I was just like, oh, I see. Daniel so you just tried Daniel and, just like and then it like, took you to the other one. It's like bingo, like, two yeah, in one. Like, yeah, exactly. Double promo. It's all good, right? Double, t- a double time. But anyway, guys, go check out his mailing list. Get on it. If you've enjoyed any bit of this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and as always, give Daniel a shout out. Follow him on every... Well, he's not even on social media, to be fair. Yeah. Really <laughs> Follow him on the one place. His Follow email. his mailing list. Like, that's all it is. Like, you'll get the best of Daniel. And he responds back to uh, his emails, which is really, really cool. Uh, also, I think he could be just a giant ass and never respond. But if he does, <laughs> yeah. <he'll win. laughs> I usually reply. I usually he's reply. Unless, unless they're putting me in a tough spot and I have to think more than 10 seconds. Like, or they're asking a private question I don't want to answer. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I have friends. I have friends, and they're like, you know, people like, where can I follow you? And I'm like, if you're on my email list, you're like better than my family because my family don't follow my email. So you know me better than them. <laughs> so that's 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 good. If you're on the email list, you're in. So it's good to know. But as always, guys, have a great weekend ahead, and I'll speak to you real soon. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, my friend, and have a great weekend. Bye, guys.